0: This episode is brought to you by Yumiko. Your favorite dancewear brand has just launched leg warmers, and we can't wait for you to try them. Their leg warmer collection is created with a lightweight layer of the softest Italian merino wool designed to warm up your muscles without adding any of that extra bulk. This ultra-fine knit gauge highlights the natural contours of your leg and comes in two colors to perfectly match to your leotards. Be sure to click over to yumiko.com to explore all of the world-class dancewear that they have to offer. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro.
1: And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week on Conversations on Dance, we spoke with Houston Ballet soloist Harper Waters. Though Harper's talents led to prominent roles with the Houston Ballet and two promotions, he gained attention both within the dance community and in pop culture at large, in viral videos of himself dancing in towering pink heels. We talked to Harper about how he has leveraged his social media stardom into creating a platform where he can promote inclusivity in the dance world and provide a positive role model for dancers everywhere. Harper, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we've been trying to chat with you for a while and we're really glad that it's finally working out. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: thank you. Um, so let's just start at the beginning. How did you get your start in dance?
2: Wow. Um, well, I was put in dance actually because my mom had a friend and she needed boys at her dance studio Uh and being a restless kind of like out of control child. Um, I think it just worked itself out that I would flap ball change and run around the studio all day long (laughs) and get get that energy out. And, um, yeah. And so that was like my first kind of dance experience um but really it was at my I went to private school in Maine and um dance was actually offered as kind of like a sports elective and I didn't really have like friends in high school like growing up like it wasn't like I had my group of go-to people um but I did connect with a lot of the girls in that dance kind of environment and who would go take right. the dance classes. So it was less about the dancing and more about I just wanted to put myself in a place where there were people who I wanted to be around. Right. And so the, the social aspect of it. Oh yeah. Right for you. you know, it just was I connected with them and um it just so happened that I was flexible and that I had rhythm and that I could do the things and you know getting diving more deep into it i just it was something that i really liked doing and so from there i was um some of the girls who would who did that they danced at an outside um competition dance studio Mm -hmm. and um i was like there's more girls there i can have them (laughs) you know and um so i went and i did that and i joined the dance um competition studio and As I mean, throughout that, I just kind of was introduced to the dance world and what it was kind of all about shows like, so you think you can dance came around and, Mm -hmm. um, I saw it being popularized and things on YouTube. Um, it just, I, it was something that I connected to. And so, um, I just kept kind of like running after it. Um, after uh, after joining the competition dance studio, I attended um, Walnut Hill School for the Arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that for two years. And then before my senior year, I decided to come down um, to Houston. I was offered a position in the summer program and I, after that summer, I was offered HB2 and I did two years of that um, and I joined the company in 2011. Mm-hmm. and um, I'm obviously like skipping over like major monumental moments <laughs> in my life but, like, are, like, we'll, we'll go back and we'll break it and down, down and, like, you know, like just like real character building moments but um, <laughs> uh, yeah so it's but it's it's really funny how it's just always kind of been like a push and a, and a want to be around certain people and just that feeling it gave me because mm-hmm. um, I feel like I didn't really even know what it was to be a dancer or like what like you could have a career in dance. I just was like, I want to be around people who like me.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) So what was it then that made you decide to, um, get a little bit more serious about ballet when you went to Walnut Hill?
2: Well, it's so funny. So I went to, I, like I said, I went to private school
1: Mm -hmm. and, um, the summer
2: before my sophomore year, I decided to come out to my, to my parents Mm -hmm. and, Um, like I woke up that day and it wasn't like I'm going to tell them it was very much like spur of the moment Um, I I came out to my two friends and then after that I walked down and just told my parents and at first it was like a huge weight off my shoulders but I immediately started afterwards like creating scenarios that I just was not going to be accepted um, by going back to My private school. I just, Uh I just thought I was going to be endlessly bullied. I would Mm -hmm. never fit in. It just would be torture. And so um, I knew I could dance, and I knew of Walnut Hill, and I just put two and two together, and I was like, I need to go to Performing Arts High School. Um, So I made a push to audition there, and I knew they would need boys, and I was accepted. And so that was. It was really that was like. Walnut Hill was like, Oh, you can do, you can have a career in dance and you can really work hard and you can do it every day. And this is what it is to be a ballet dancer. Um, and so I think that's also where I kind of shifted my thinking. I always thought both my parents are college professors and they went to eight years of schooling, you know, and I just thought college was the option for me, the only option. Um, but when I saw that you could have a career in dance, that was really what when I was like, "Okay, Harper, you need to apply yourself. You need to work hard. you need to um you just need to work hard and uh, it could it could happen.
0: How was the training different for you when you were coming from a competition school that obviously has an emphasis on very specific things, and then when you went to Walnut Hill that was you know working to make you a well rounded professional dancer. What was that transition like? And how was the technique and training different?
2: Yeah. I wasn't doing lyrical dance. It's a green day. <laughs> like I was, doing, <laughs> um, but I will say though, that like, the competition background really did give me a lot of formidable kind of assistance in I mm-hmm. musicality performance quality um, being versatile, you know, that really has lent itself to a career in, in dance, especially now. Um, but it was more of an emphasis on, on ballet as the foundation for a lot of things I used to just take at my competition studio I think two to three ballet classes a week and doing ballet every day and then also there just were more boys I never had taken a men's class mm-hmm. um, and I was kind of the whole idea of doing a ballet class for an hour and a half and then doing another ballet class with just men I was like, but I just did ballet class. Like, why (laughs) another one? Uh, And kind of just understanding that. And but also, like, we know, like when you see the results as a dancer, it's so rewarding and it's so gratifying. And it's Mm -hmm. and I would see results. I would feel stronger. I was doing things that I thought I couldn't do. And I could I thought like only Angel Corella could do on YouTube. But here I was doing doing it. And so I was like, okay, well, if you apply yourself, what 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 else could happen? So, um, more modern classes. Um, I didn't, you know, I thought modern was like lyrical and like emotional stuff. You know, I had no idea there were different styles of Horton and Graham, and right. um, that opened my mind up to a, a lot of stuff. So. It just kind of was like, oh, okay, <laughs> this
1: is this is this is what the dance world is about. This is deeper than I knew, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, you're working towards, um, you know, a more professional career. What made mm-hmm. you set your sights on Houston Ballet in particular?
2: Well, initially, it was um, a dancer, Joseph Walsh. He is a principal at uh, San Francisco Ballet, and he. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um, no, he uh, he went to Walnut Hill. He went to my high school.
1: Oh.
2: Um. Oh. And he was a few years older than me, and he had participated in the Houston Ballet summer program. Mm-hmm. And um, they, there was just a knowledge that Houston Ballet had a strong men's program, right. and seeing his success and knowing that he had the simil- the same training that I had. Um, I was advised to go down to Houston um, to participate in a summer program. So that was that. That was where it got on my radar. Also, it was Carlos Acosta. You know, he was like mm-hmm. the god of ballet. And finding out that he also was in Houston Ballet, I was like, okay, well, basically, I'm the next Carlos Acosta. So, so
1: here
2: uh, you go. <laughs> like, I'm gonna go there and be amazing. So, um, but it really was the advice of my teachers and the fact that Joe. Um, went there and you know it's funny because like I thought I knew what it was to be a ballet dancer at Walnut Hill, but there's no wake up call greater than being in a professional ballet company right. um, summer intensive. But also we had the privilege of seeing the company work as well, mm-hmm. um, and that that really was like I was like okay, Harper, you need to get your butt together because. Now you're in the big leagues and you can make this happen, but it's, it's going to be up to you.
0: Right. So then how did you go on to end up joining the company from this, just attending the summer course?
2: Um, so they, they had, um, I had a, uh, they had a little audition at the end of the summer, um, where I, without telling my parents, I auditioned for Houston Valley too. And, um, was offered a contract and, um, that was emotional <laughs> Wow uh, oh, yeah. But um so I did two years in the second company. And my second year um in two thousand at the start of two thousand eleven, my teacher had um he asked me if I wanted to participate in the pre de And oh, wow. um well it really wasn't more of like an ask, it was a more like you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um and I I had known what it was, you know, like it was the second year is usually one or two are picked to go to the competition. So it was, I knew what it was. Um, And so I began training for that. And I, I went over in 2011 and I was able to place as one of the prize winners and receive the contemporary award. And as part of my winning, it was an apprenticeship. And so I came back and my director offered me a job in the company. Um, and so I joined later that at the start of the season in 2011, um, and I was the only apprentice that year, um, which was a huge honor, but also like, I felt like so freaking scared, but, um, (laughs) so that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's how I, I joined a lot of, um, I was given a lot of fantastic opportunities by my director Before that, you know, being inserted into ballets with the company as a member Mm -hmm. of Houston Ballet 2 was a big deal. Um, and just being able to do pieces and his choreography, um, in in HB2, I just knew that this was, that Houston was where I wanted to be. And I felt, I felt supported. And, um, so I was really, I was really excited to join.
1: Mm -hmm. How do you feel your, early training from competition and um walnut hill mm-hmm. uh it sounds like you had a really uh good mix there and that from, from everything i've heard about houston ballet it seems like versatility is you know a top priority there yeah. that it's a a must yeah you know i i remember the houston ballet um open call always had a reputation for being <laughs> one of the most difficult and that in that open call there was already that demand for extreme versatility so do you think that your early training led to um a good setup for your for the company you join?
2: yeah i actually i really do and i the amount of training i could never i i never imagined the hours and the work it would take just being in houston valley too um but as far as my training um in competition and uh, at Walnut Hill, I mean, Walnut Hill, you're not dancing the entire day. You only have about three and a half, four hours after your um, academic classes. Mm-hmm. Um, but learn, having to retain information really fast and execute it is something that I had to do at a very young age with the competition. We would learn numbers in three to four days. And then have to go perform it. And you have to have those, that performance quality. But also at school, you know, my education, I found such a parallel between going to history class and going to English class and having to retain these things, but also having to write essays and draw on my personal experiences to express myself and to, you know, use other, other skills than just my dancing and that is what really i think has helped me be a part of houston valley i mean we work 44 weeks out of the year choreographers are constantly coming in and you could be the best technical dancer but there are other elements that allow you to set yourself apart from other dancers and a lot of times you know the leg that goes the highest or the you do the most turns isn't necessarily what the choreographer is after and it helps to it really helps to be reliable Mm -hmm. you know we talk about that all
0: the time it's so important especially your early years in the company
2: exactly i mean i took it as such i took it as such kind of like a kind of a pushback when i first joined that i was like fifth cast i was like excuse me i just did the Coursera pot in my spring show as like you know like i'm a principal but like When I'm fifth cast, I was like, "Why am I fifth cast?" But the thing is, you know, like injuries happen all the time, and when they need people to go in, Uh and you know it, that speaks such volumes. And um, you know, and a reliability is something that I've relied, I've relied on (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, so often in in my career, and I, it's just, it's been something that I've tried to hone in on, and I just think that that's something that I gained, maybe not necessarily just from the um, studio, but also from the classroom and and just how I was in my training other than classical ballet.
1: Every year, the Dance Magazine Awards bring stunning moments of artistry and poignant speeches from the awardees. This year, on December 3rd, Dance Magazine honors Lourdes Lopez, Crystal Pite, Michael Trusnevick and Ronald K. Brown, while Misty Copeland will be welcoming the guests. In addition, two Harkness Promise Awards and the first-ever Leadership Award will be given out as well. For tickets to this uplifting evening, go to DanceMagazine.com and click on Dance Magazine Awards. The awards will be held at the Ailey City Group Theater in New York City. What were some good examples of um, situations where maybe you were lower down the list, but you know, people go out or get sick or whatever mm-hmm. and then you get to prove that you're reliable and maybe some of these things that ultimately put you on your path to a promotion. Sure.
2: Um, ironically, we were doing a world premiere by our director and it was, I want to say like my first or second year in the core. And um, it was, there was a solo. It was called, it was young person's guide to the orchestra and joe walsh was actually the solo Mm -hmm. and he was the trumpet and he had hurt himself and the cover also hurt himself and so within that day i had to learn it and perform it and wow um i mean in a matter of hours and i was really nervous and i was like really stressed and other people but other dancers were like harper they wouldn't Pick you if they didn't they think didn't that think you could do it. You could do yeah. it, you know, and um, just a lot of. I mean, casting is something that is, is sometimes a point of contention for dancers in the company. But when a dancer goes out and then you're picked to do it, and you're not, and you're not necessarily even covering that that speaks volumes as well. And that has happened a lot to me where I just end up learning or doing a part that I wasn't initially supposed to. Um, But I go with it, you know, and I try to (laughs) make the most of it and it has proven itself to be um, beneficial in how I made a career for myself.
0: So how does your promotion come about in the end?
2: Well, I, so I, I think I maybe did, four, I did four or five, I, I did a year as an apprentice and four years in the core and I started to see myself in the core. I, I was 24 and, um, I just was doing so much and mm-hmm. I was dancing, I was dancing out, out of like ensemble works. I would do trios. I would do duets. I would be second cast of solos. And you know, the dancers that I would surround or where I was dancing with were soloists and first soloists and demi soloists. And I, here I was in the core and I did, I honestly was very discouraged. Like I was like, I am doing so much. And I felt like I wasn't being rewarded for it. And I look back and understand that I just was being tested. You know, it's, it was just how, how is Harper going to handle this? And so I felt like I could either back down and throw my hands up and be like, this is too much. I'm mad. Mm-hmm. Or I could really bunker down and just really, really do it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I decided to do. And soon after I was promoted. Um, and I, when I was a demi soloist, I was like, okay, I've made it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah.
2: I've made it. But then I was, then, I didn't even realize that the three months that I was like, Harper, you're so overworked, I, that that was going to turn into like a year of stuff, you know, like right. that was just the standard for what, like, that's just the next chapter. That's just like, it's time to level up, you know, like that's, mm-hmm. this is what's you're going to be experiencing a lot more. And so I just was like, well, now, now you do this for longer and this is the standard that you have set for yourself and now you have to meet that. And so I just continued to do that. I saw more opportunities coming. Um, you just have to—you have to be aware of your surroundings and aware of what's going on, and be able to identify. Okay, this is a moment right now. You know, this is something mm-hmm. where you really have to apply yourself. And um, the Nutcracker casting came out a year later, um, in 2017, and I was down to do the prince. And this was like I had done principal roles. Um, or leading soloist roles in contemporary works, but this was my first classical one, and mm-hmm. I knew just at the end of it, I was like, "I'm." I I felt that so- something good was going to come if I really, really applied myself. Um, and so, but it was a real struggle doing Prince. It's just something that was uncomfortable for me personally. Um, uh yeah and so but after after my first performance of Prince, I was promoted as a soloist
1: um, and here I am now, <laughs> mm-hmm. so do you feel like um that's sort of opened the doors for more uh, explicitly classical works for you? yeah there's
2: there's some casting that has gone up this year that I'm like already starting to like have like anxiety attacks over. <laughs> um, but you know that's that's what that's what I ultimately want. Right. And, um, I just think it's important, not only for me, but for the people who I think I kind of represent and I share my, who I have similar stories to and careers to potentially. Um, I just think it's important that I take it head on and I, and I, and I do it. Um, because yeah, I just think, I, I think it, it's really valuable and, um, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, we want to talk about your Instagram stardom. <laughs> you have become quite well known for your social media presence that all started with a pair of pink heels. Yeah. How did that first video, um, launch you into Instagram stardom and how did that uh, initial idea come about to post that?
2: <clears throat> well, it's really, the, the heels are a gift. The heels heels were like just a gag gift, and it was never like it was never me being like, you know what, I'm going to make a viral video. You know, like it was never like this like thought out like PowerPoint presentation of like how I'm going to like achieve (laughs) like stardom with like a pair of pink heels and a treadmill. Um, It it was really more just like we got the gift, we were working out at the end of the day, and like they were in my bag, and I was like, could you imagine if we hopped on the treadmill and did something? filmed it. I posted it and I went about my day, you know, and the result the next day or just when I opened my phone next to check my account was really quite astonishing. You know, like I had never gotten that many views. I never, I mean, people I don't even know were commenting, you know, it was, it was quite amazing. I just was like, wow, this is, this is really powerful. Um, and I meet my initial reaction was like, I'm a celebrity. Like I need to do more, <laughs> like I need to, like, I need to like give the people what they want. But, you know, like in really looking at it, I was like, why I'm get I was like, I'm getting such a positive reaction for literally something that I think is so fun mm-hmm. and I'm just doing, I'm just being myself. And at the time in the core, I was really struggling with, you know, mm-hmm dancing my best and bringing myself to the to to my work Mm -hmm. and so i was like you just need to kind of do that like look at the response you're getting for being yourself outside of the studio why not do that inside of the studio Mm -hmm. um so i started doing that more um but i also started to like utilize those videos as a way to bring people into my world um you know, my views tripled from that one video. And I think the initial reaction, oh, is that's just a flamboyant, sassy black gay guy. And I mean, that's true. But, you know, I'm also a ballet dancer. So here I have this opportunity to, following a heel video, I can post something about me in rehearsal. I can post something about the LGBT community. I can post Mm -hmm. other things in other aspects. Or I also just, I just wanted to, start showing myself more, like more aspects of who Harper was, you know, like I'm an advocate for the LGBTQ community. I'm Mm. also a ballet dancer. I'm an artist. I'm obsessed with Beyonce. I'm obsessed with, you know, I'm obsessed with fashion. I'm obsessed with Mm. pop culture. And I think I was so focused on trying to please other people and try to pan to them when Really, I just needed to give people an opportunity to connect with things that are me, right. um, and so I just started to do that more. And I would incorporate um, heal videos with that, and I utilized it as a tool to have more eyes on what what I was passionate about.
1: So. You've said in, in past interviews that social media has opened the door to a lot of creative projects. Sure. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that and uh, also specifically how your social media accounts have impacted your ballet career?
2: Sure. Um, as far as projects, you know, visibility is is incredible, you know, like, and the visibility that I've created on my account has opened the doors for things that I didn't even, I haven't even I would never imagine were possible, you know? Like here I am doing tendus and plies at like 10 o'clock and then I'm like, or 10 a.m. and I'm like working with Target, you know? So <laughs> how does, to me, that was never on my radar. But I just started to see the incredible power of of just sharing myself and who I was and the response that it was getting. And so... But the thing is, I, everything I share is, are my interests. I enjoy doing photo, like photo shoots. And so I would see an artist and or I would see a photographer and I would see movement in their work. And I would say, hey, would you want to collaborate? And that was an in, initial way of starting to expand, expand what it is to be a ballet dancer, you know, and also act on things that interested me and excited me. Um and so whether it's photo shoots or interviews or um working with brands, I was able to do the Urban Outfitters Pride campaign last year. And um that all was because of I was being me and being myself. And um as far as it affecting my dancing, like I said, I was really I was really struggling with kind of bringing myself into my work. And when I first joined the company, I really just thought that dance was about the physical aspect of it and kind of the technical feats that your body could achieve. Mm -hmm. Um, And in 2015, so towards, right, like a little bit right before I got promoted to demi-soloist, I was chosen to, um, by Houston Ballet, to do the Princess Grace Awards and um so a part of your application is you have to film a solo um Mm -hmm. in studio full take you know like no cuts no anything and I my director decided for me to do one of his solos and I would rehearse with him a little bit and in one of the goes I there's a pirouette and I just and I fell out of it and I just stopped and the music kept going and he kind of looked at me and turned it off the music with the remote and I was like, here we go. He's going to rip into me being like, what, what happened with that turn? Mm -hmm. He looked at me and in that moment he said, you're never going to get the perfect wave. It's about how you ride the wave you're given. And
0: that's great advice
2: in that moment. It just, it, to me, it, it represented a bunch of different things, you know, like I think what he initially was trying to say was like, you know, it's never going to be perfect. So you have to make the intention behind your steps Something you have to say, something with your steps, you know, mm-hmm. even if you do fall out of a turn, even if you do mess up, like, what are you saying with it? How do you continue on so you make it special in other ways? Um, but then that goes further, or what I took it as even further was that, well, how are how do I make it honest? You know, I can't just fake it, I can't be someone else, it has to come from me. And so, in that moment, I just started. Bringing more of myself into it. So, whether it was humor, whether it was sass, whether it was playing with the music in a certain way, holding certain balances, being more musical, taking risks, um, all things that were for, like this, honestly, Harper. And I just mm-hmm. immediately saw a change in my dancing and um, in the roles that I would get. And so, um, but, and I, but it was so, like I, I I was doing that on my Instagram, you know, right. it's so easy for me to just throw up a video of me running in heels and be like, yeah, <laughs> there it is. But for some reason, like it was very difficult for me to do something of that kind of, let's say, attitude or that kind of emotion in my right. way. Um, but I was getting such a positive response from outside people. So it just was like the stars were aligning and it kind of was like this omen from like above being like, Harper, just do it. You know, so, um, that's, that's how I kind of started to incorporate the confidence that I was having on my social media into, into my dancing. Yeah.
0: So what's next for the Harper Waters brand? What long-term goals do you have for yourself, both in the ballet world and outside of it?
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's just expanding on everything that I've already had, you know, or everything I've already created. I, I'm i obsessed with TV and I'm, obsessed, I'm like obsessed with reality TV. And <laughs> I just, I, I also, I, I love storytelling and I love learning about people. And I just think that there is something so special about that um, and learning about the lives of dancers in an authentic way rather than like a black swan like way. So Mm -hmm. a project kind of highlighting that where it's not necessarily um, created drama, but it's, it could be humor or it could be, um, I don't know. So I I think exploring that and building my YouTube channel and um, I love branching into working with brands and Mm -hmm. um, just pushing the boundaries of kind of what people think a ballet dancer can and should do um, is, is really what I'm after. But also kind of dispelling stereotypes and breaking people's preconceived notions of, of, of certain things.
1: Right. So we've actually reached our final uh, element of the interview, which we call our lightning round. So we'll uh, just ask you a few short questions, and uh, you give us whatever answer comes to mind. OK. So uh, what is your favorite ballet?
2: Uh, Ulysses Dove um, Red Angels
0: a Favorite on stage moment
2: um, I think The first time I danced petite Mort mm. uh,
1: Dream brand to partner with Is Beyonce a brand? <gasps> well, Beyonce-
0: well our next question Was about her so,
2: okay, maybe- so I'll, I'll save that for the next one Dream brand Um Um Anyone, any brand that is um, supportive of the LGBTQ community for authentic reasons and not a paycheck. Right.
0: Um, what would you say to Beyonce if you were to meet her?
1: Here's my number. <laughs> <laughs> huh. And uh, lastly, what would a dream project be for you? A dream project to have my own dance talk show. Oh, amazing.
0: Oh, awesome. Well, here you
1: are having part of that. <laughs> this is our, our little test out. Of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, thank you so much for joining us, Harper. We really appreciate it. um thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Take care.
1: Have a good one. Hope to be in touch soon. We will. Thanks again.
0: Thank you for joining us this week. We are excited to announce that you can now listen to Conversations on Dance on Spotify, in addition to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or through our website at ConversationsOnDancePod.com. Subscribe now to receive notifications of new episodes. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Conversations on Dance. See you next week.